Welcome, welcome, welcome. Season three, Wind Down with Kev. I am Kevin Spann, Kevin Spann, the insurance guru. And I am so excited today. This season, the hashtag has changed the narrative and party people in the place to be. Trust me, we are going to change the narrative on this one. Welcome, welcome. Season three, episode three. So excited today with the guest that I'm bringing to you. On my right side, I have my brother, my brother from another mother. This is going to be the easiest and best podcast maybe that I've recorded to date because we speak the same language. We're going to talk a little family. We're going to talk a little business. We're definitely going to talk some hoops. So without any further delay, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Divine Smith. Talk to him, Divine. Tell the people who you are. Tell hey, them a little bit about yourself. Hey, you know, I'm Divine Smith here. Man, tell them a little bit about myself. Why yes, sir. This may take a little bit of a, of a minute or two here. No, no problem. Uh, we'll go with the short version first. Let's, let's, okay. uh, we'll go with let's, the short let's start. We'll go you got a 15th version. anniversary first, so tell them about wifey and uh, tell, them that you're, you're, tell them about being a girl dad. Let's start there. Okay, okay. Yep. So as, as Kevin just said, I'm married to my beautiful, beautiful wife, Vanessa Smith, and I have two beautiful daughters, Desiree, 11, Gabrielle, 5, and uh, I've been married. I will be married for 15 years on September 17th. It's, a, yeah. it's an amazing blessing that my wife would actually keep me yes. that long. So, and I'm working to stay married to her for the rest of my life, so we're going to keep working towards that. That's so. a beautiful thing. Hang in there, Vanessa. Hang in there. <laughs> hang in there. Hang in there. And I want to you know, I want to say that it's an honor and a, and a privilege for me to be here on the set with you, uh, Mr. Span, who I kindly uh, refer to you as, uh, you know, you've always been someone who I consider to be a role model for young black men, black and brown men in our community. So it's it's gr- a great honor and pleasure for me to be here with you today. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. So <laughs> No problem. The honor and the privilege is all, all mine. Uh, Divine, you are doing some incredibly positive things right now that I want to start. Uh, you're one of my MVPs of the summer of 2021. Um, you just comp- concluded a nice basketball tournament. So let's start there. Talk to me about uh, this bright light summer that you just had. So, you know, it all came together very quickly. Uh, my partner, Tyrone Tillman, who is a graduate of Amityville High School, um, he started an organization called EBE. Uh, sports, and so he's been running a lot of his basketball tournaments and uh, leagues out of uh, a facility up in Port Jefferson, Dedication Sports. Nice. So he and I, you know, in June, we you know had a conversation about possibly doing a summer league, and, you know, I have such a great network of, of people because of my time as a college basketball coach. You know, as you and I spoke about the other night, I started coaching college basketball at Suffolk West Community College with Chris Agostino in 1999. You're way (laughs) too young to have been coaching since 1999. And shout out to uh, your your partner. Shout out to Agostino. That's a a basketball-rich 
family. Um, and you and I met through the basketball world. At that time, you were still a really young man, but you were helping coach my son. You were helping Kevin with AAU. Um, and then fast forward, Kev comes transfer to CW Post. And, and guess who's coaching? You are. <laughs> so... Yeah, you know, just to finish the summer league stuff. So basically, Tyrone and I spoke. We used our networks. We put a summer league together. It was a very trying experience because it's the first time I've done anything in that fashion. And we worked through those trials and errors. And we had a successful summer. There was no incidents. We had an 11U, 12U, 13U, JV, and varsity boys division. Yes. And then a 12U girls division, all of which had champions so it went really really well um as far as uh me coaching that while while Kevin Spann was in college I wish I was coaching him and not coaching against him because (laughs) man the boy put up some numbers when he was at at post so but um Different story for a different day. We'll talk about Kev another day. But okay, today, okay. Is about, <laughs> today is about you um, and um, you and all that you did. So first thing I want to say about your Summer League tournament, I didn't actually get to make any of the games. I followed everything online. But I want to say thank you to you and your partner just for doing it, for getting kids back out of the house. After the year of 2020, which was lost to all high school students, all AAU basketball, High school basketball had a condensed season. All sports had a condensed season. Um, just to give parents and kids an activity to go outside again, to engage with each other again, that's big. So on behalf of all the players, all the parents, I say thank you. And then a special thank you. Um, while I wasn't there, I got to support and help one team, the spending yard team out of Wine So special it's thank my you favorite for, group, by the way. For, uh, for, for having the tournament for them. That's that's my favorite group of kids, just so you know, from this past summer. And it, first, I'm sorry, the diverse skill training family on my okay, favorite okay, group of kids. Okay, that's your, yeah. that's your squad, and I think I saw that they won the, their division. We did. We did win the 12U division. Okay, did they win, win legit or was that rigged because you were one of the organizers? We, are we going to uh, – I'm going to plead the fifth on, <laughs> on, on that there. We're just going to look at those photos and that's see it. us as champions. And that's we're gonna, it. We're going to just go from there. That, that, that's all so, that, that's all that yes, matters. In the yard, it was, uh, it was nice to meet some other uh, men from the community who were giving back to the young people and making a difference and giving them some positive – activities. No, and definitely thank you for having the girls division as well. Uh, I'm the father of three sons, as you know. You are a girl dad. You've got two beautiful daughters, five and 11, if I'm correct. Correct. Um, You know this from your time in the basketball world that it's harder to find those activities earlier for girls. But I read or I heard a long time ago that girls that get involved in sports early, they stay involved and it really accelerates them academically, athletically, and opens doors for college careers. Yep. So I started my girls' program because my daughter, um, she taken had taken a liking to basketball. She enjoys our time together because I am a girl dad, and I'm very proud of the fact that I'm a girl dad. And so I said, when I stopped coaching college basketball, you know, I, I started coaching some girls' basketball with the Lightning, and it was my daughter's age group, and and it just kind of took on another life from there. So it started with me doing something with another organization. I learned how to organize my own organization. Yes. From an a administrative standpoint, I'm already a coach, so yes. I have tons of experience in that area. And I, I took it and 
I went on the I went on the road, man, with my own with my own show, doing my own things with basketball because I wanted to have creative control of the outcome. And now, you know, I have twelve girls who play in my program. In addition to the fact that my daughter plays with me, she also plays with another organization because I believe in also being a dad. Have to. I want to sit in the stands and I want to be selfish. Yes. I can't be selfish when I'm coaching my daughter as a part of my team. So I get a little bit of both worlds it's, it's out a, of it. It's a beautiful thing to uh, – coaching is fun at the at the early, young ages, coaching your kids, putting the ball in their hands, maybe making them the point guard and building the team. But at a certain age, I firmly believe in that you have to release them and, and sit back and be a dad and just cheer for them and maybe have that good conversation in the car with them as opposed to on the court. Yeah, I, you know, I'm always going to be her dad. You know, and so she'll be. She could be seventy years old. Like I'm still going to be a dad if if I'm still here. So, yes, yes, yes. Right. So like I'm comfortable with that. So and I'm going to tell you what's really amazing about my relationship with my daughter and the fact that she actually loves to play basketball. That's a beautiful thing. Old, is that all the young people who I've influenced or mentored or, or who have had some sort of impact on me. It translates so much fluidly to my relationship with my daughter because all those lessons I've learned through the years have prepped me to deal with my own children. <laughs> that, that, that's that's everything, Devine. So you, um, amazing part, I've known you f- at least for 20 years now, and yesterday we talked a little bit to talk about the podcast. You shared some things with me that I didn't know. You're known as a coach in the community. You're known as a leader in the community. You're known as a mentor and a businessman. But in our conversation yesterday, your story didn't start out like that. Talk about the backstory in the Bronx and growing up there and your your move to Long Island. Yeah, so I'm one of seven children. Beautiful. By my mom. Uh, my my father, his name is Russell, uh, rest in peace. He and my mom married, and we had four children out of the seven from that union, me being the oldest of the four. Okay. And so... So we grew up in, in the Bronx. That's where it started for me. And then we fell on some hard times, and we were in shelters. Uh, my older sister, who my mom felt at the time, um, she couldn't, you know, focus and give her the attention she needed. She moved her to North Carolina with with some family from uh, her side of the family. And, um, and you know, things became a little... Uh, a little tumultuous for us. I, um, at eight, I witnessed my three-year-old brother be hit by a car wow. and died two weeks later wow. on Mother's Day. Um, in the 80s, everyone knows, like, the crack uh, epidemic was, was really, really rough, and it hit our communities. Twice as uh, hard. Yes, very, very hard. And so my mother and my father, you know, they both kind of fell into into that. Um, and, you know, so it became where we actually – we're out like fending for ourselves. You know, when I was nine, ten years old, I was riding the trains alone. I was in the supermarket packing bags to eat to to take care of not only yourself and you got these younger siblings. That I had to eat. Yeah. So so I learned at a very young age like a great deal of responsibility, and it was all based on the adversity that I had dealt with to that point. So you know, I'm 13. And CPS comes to our home, and they take all of us out of the home because wow. they said that my mom just wasn't fit to take care of us. And so, 
I ended up in foster care for six months. My sister, who is who's always been like the tough girl in my okay. family, my okay. sister Tasha, she's a year younger than me. She she just ran away from the foster care. She, she left. She, it's not me. Good she luck. Said, it's not for okay, me. Tasha. But my grandfather, who is you know my one true role model in my family, you know, in my bloodline, he you know owned a home in Amityville, and he didn't want to see us in foster care. And he wanted to make sure that his daughter, Patricia, my mom, had, you know, started to get things together in her life. So he brought us to Long Island. And that was tough for him because he moved us into a one-family home. Okay. And he had uh, his his second wife and her three children and then the two children that they birthed together in addition to bringing the five. Shout out to you. five of us, right? Into the house. Into the house. Into a one-family home. You leave the BX. You come out to Amityville, it's tight, but now you're on Long Island. Yeah, so things are a little a little different. My grandfather is a big disciplinarian. My uncles, they kind of ran the street. Okay. And like, so he wanted to make sure. I, first of all, I was a little bit of a knucklehead. I was coming from the city. Okay. I was doing adult okay. things at 10. So I, it was, it was, I got it. <laughs> it was I got a huge it. adjustment period. I for got it. A young man from New York City moving out to Long Island. He knew those things because he's my grandfather. And it was like, he said, be home before the lights came on. That's what he meant. That's what he meant. You did not play around with Smitty. He was a serious, <laughs> serious man. So I was I was afraid of of him. So. Now, you moved to Amityville. You told me it was near the park. Shout out to Bowden Map Park. Correct. So that means you also moved. You're also near the block in Amityville at Correct. a different time in Amityville. At a different it, time in Amityville. It's not, it's not what we see there today. So we remember that. We'll leave that there. But um, <laughs> you come out. And now you uh, now were you already playing ball in the Bronx, or did you start playing when you came to Long Island? I was. We went to the park and played amongst ourselves. We played stick ball. We played skellies. Which was, I know that. You know, I know. We, I know skelly. You know, we were in the uh, uh, in the alleys with the old mattresses, doing flips on the mattresses. I was athletic. I got in it in the city. I there was it. nothing organized about I, it. Though. I got it. But you had some gifts. Buddies, but I had some gifts. And so when I moved to Long Island, that's when I started to play organized sports. Okay. Once I moved to Long Island. So, so yeah, so things definitely started to move towards an upward trajectory. So I, I'm still struggling with my confidence at this point because of all of my experiences. But – I am battle-tested. Well, it's, it's a good thing. So, and, and I'm so glad you said that because I think everybody struggles with their confidence, but I don't think we as men, we as black men specifically, we don't have those conversations about confidence. So on the outside, you're tall now. I imagine you're a tall kid. You're yes. probably tall as a kid. Tall and skinny. Um, with that, that height comes expectations, but if you hadn't played organized ball, you probably weren't confident yet on the court. And then off the court, you probably your confidence came from just your home situation not being sure whether everything was going to be stable. Yeah, so playing organized sports was easy for me because I was able to focus on just playing hard. Okay. Because okay. I, that was my experience. Like, I had to fight and work for everything. So, like, I was okay and comfortable with doing that. You know, I always have this uh, this uh, thing that I say, and it's 
Kids are worried about stepping to the free throw line and taking a free throw. Like at 13, I wasn't worried about <laughs> stepping to a free throw line and taking a free throw. If I made it, I made it. If I missed it, I missed it. Show more. It was it was really just that simple for me because right. it was it was that much adversity and the adversity didn't stop there. So just so you know, no, no, no. Yeah. I understand. And like uh, the adversity of eating is is everything. You know, if you feed me, I can relax and I can think. If I'm hungry. My mindset is someplace else because no matter what, I'm going to eat. Sometimes you may have had to pack bags and buy groceries, and other times you may have had to just eat that fruit in the aisle and whatever it took just so you could have something in your stomach. So I absolutely understand the difference between those things. So you come out, you're on Long Island, you pick up a ball, and you must have gotten pretty good quickly But because by the time you're a senior, if my memory is correct, you wound up playing for Gary Charles and the Panthers. Is that correct? I did. Okay. I was uh, definitely played for the New York, the Long Island Panthers at the time. Now, for actually. those that don't know, this is the, the time you're playing from them. This is the elite of the elite in AAU basketball in Long Island, and you played for a team that wound up dominating the country. So talk about that just for a minute. So first thing I'll say is, and I tell Gary Charles this all the time, he's one of my mentors, that – he made it possible for us to for young men to go to college to actually believe they could go to college. I had no idea. For me, graduating from high school was going to be enough. Right. And then he presented opportunities, and like he's the only reason, the only reason that I got a scholarship to Bridgeport University out of out of high school because he had a workout and he had college coaches there. And I was a hard worker, so I went and out. I went out there and I said, "I'm going to lay this out on the line here because I want to go to school now." Right, and and that's what I did. So kudos to him for presenting presenting those opportunities. So big shout out to Gary Charles, also a good, good, good friend of of, of mine, uh, major influence in the community. Um, so divine behind you on my sign, which people can't see yet, is my theme for this whole podcast season is change the narrative, and. The life you were born into in the Bronx, that life had one trajectory and one set of expectations. Fast forward, you come to Amityville, you're good, you're working hard, you're playing hard, and Gary tells you you can go to college. He makes you believe it. You demonstrate it on the court. Is that the beginning of you changing the narrative and becoming the man that you are today? The beginning of me changing the narrative is us taking us away from my mother Put in, in, in putting us in foster care, mm-hmm. and then my grandfather moving us to Long Island, and my mother realizing that she wanted to live and she wanted to be a part, continue to be a part of her children's lives, which she's always done, honestly. My heart and determination comes from the fact that my mother never gave up. No matter what she dealt with, she was always positive, and she always cared about others. So, And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. So just... Um, for every parent that's out there that's watching this, if you're not at your best right now, you're going through some things. This is many years later. There's people struggling with every drug that's out there. It touches every family. Nobody is exempt, but um, much love and respect and rest in peace to your mom for hanging in there in spite of it. So if anybody's going through it, keep hanging in there because it is a change and there's a beautiful outcome down the road if you if you keep the faith and keep yeah, it on. That's a fact. And, and keep going. So that was it. That was that was it. And from there, like I, I, I grow as I experience, you know, life. And but I've always had a positive 
out outlook on things just because like I said, adversity was a was a big part of my existence through high school. So So I meet you fast forward at least twenty years ago and I meet you because you're helping a young man in the Amityville area, I believe James went to Copeg School. You're helping James St. Roberts, and he's playing AU with my son, Kevin. And um, you became that person that you needed, I would imagine, because let's talk about James St. Roberts a little bit. Yeah, so James, I remember James as a freshman at Copeg High School. So when I was done playing college basketball, I came back to the community, and I was like a volunteer assistant at Copeg High School. James St. Roberts was a freshman in high school at the nice. time. And so he used to find me in the hallway, and he used to have this big, goofy smile on his face. (laughs) (laughs) He would say, when can I play basketball? When can I play basketball? Basketball this, basketball that. It was was constant. Nice. And so I said, he's a little annoying, but, like, (laughs) he loves basketball. So I said, obviously, I I played for the Panthers. I kept in contact with Gary. James is a ninth grader. He's already 6'6". Nice. I'm like, let me make this introduction and this connection. And then I realized that I needed to actually take him to and from so that he'd have those opportunities. And it worked out. It ended up working out very well for him. And, you know, we just talked about this earlier. You know, James still lives in Switzerland because after he graduated from college, he went there and played some professional basketball, met his wife. Now he's married with children and living a great life. And, like, that right there is why... I did it. And and you said... It was said, never about me. No, but you said so much there that I'd be a, a poor podcast host without jumping on it. So understand this. When you get involved in this basketball life, this AU life, you didn't send James to play. You took him. I took him. You took him. Because sometimes that, that parent would like their kid to play, but they don't have a ride to get to practice or the games, and you took him. And while taking him, you have those car conversations, you mentor him, and he has a high school career, he plays college basketball, and now he has a life in Switzerland free, with the family. Free education. Free education, and now he makes a, a life for himself. So that is an amazing, amazing thing. So um, I, I had to get that story out um, because I, I know that story personally. I've, I've witnessed it, and in the background, whenever I see James Posting his success, I'm cheering for you because I know you made I know you made it happen. Um, so let's let's leave the court and let's let's visit the business world. Uh, besides you coaching, you you work in my field. You're in the insurance business. I am. So I now am. you've been. Tell me how you got into insurance and and what you, what are you doing in my field? This is my food. I'm I supposed just, to eat all of this. <laughs> <laughs> so. Everything ties back into basketball for me. Okay. I promise you. Okay. Like, everything's going to come back to basketball in some form or fashion. So, I was looking for a career, and I had mentored so many young people through basketball. And, you know, insurance is so underserved in our community from yes. an insurance standpoint. And then more holistically, just finances in general. I don't yes. think we have a true understanding of the value of preparation. Yes. Right? Today, tomorrow, retirement, legacy. We just haven't understood that all of those things are factors. Like, just look at the obituary Mm -hmm. on the Sunday, on any day of the week. Like, we all have that fate. We all have a day. So, when I had an opportunity to go and give back to my community even further, I said, yes, Mm -hmm. I will do that. Because no is, um, is acceptable. 
to me because like I'm doing the right thing. At the end of the day, it comes back to my principles. If I'm doing the right thing by people, you can like me or dislike me. That's your choice. That has right. nothing to do with me. But if I'm consistent and I'm doing the right thing by people, I can continue to push forward. And so that's very important to me. So this just naturally aligned with who I am and, and what I believe as far as giving back and doing and giving to my community. Patricia, that's my mother's name. Okay. Patricia Paulette Smith. Married named Burnton. She's the motivation. She's the, she's the motivation behind it. So you you said a lot, and I got to break some of this down. Um, you're in the life insurance and financial services side of the insurance business. Today you work for? For Equitable Advisors. Excellent company. Okay, and just a disclaimer, I am studying for my series 66 and 7, so I'm still currently an insurance agent, but I'm going to have my full complement of licensing. Of licenses. This that, year. That, that test is, uh, I've had my six for a minute and 63, oh, and it's not, a, it's not a joke, but you're going to be incredible for it. But as we sit here, you have your New York State life insurance license, Correct. and you've, you've been helping people with that for a while. Um, Divine, in the insurance business, a lot of people shy away because they face rejection. Whenever you ask anybody to buy anything, a fair amount of those people are going to say no. Um, how did facing rejection as an athlete prepare you to accept rejection in the insurance business as you come across it? Shoot, rejection as an athlete, that's game to game, right? Because, like, the emotional <laughs> swings during a game are severe. So, yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, if if you know what you're doing is is right, then that's enough. You know, that was that's always been enough for me. You know, my intentions are pure whenever – Whatever and whenever I'm I'm involved, so so that's really it for me. And 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 good intentions is everything, and being able to open the conversation. So you talked about um, our community and life insurance. Um, oftentimes, people there aren't enough people like you and more young people in this field to have more conversations with people to talk about how simple it is to buy life insurance and how affordable it is. Um, I've heard it said that some people think that life insurance costs three times more than it actually does. Talk about some of your experience maybe just trying to convince people the importance of having life insurance and good financial habits. What are some of the things that you run into? So I think first and foremost, before you can go and you can promote something to someone else, you need to be able to provide that for yourself and for your family. Yes. So that's a key and then when you go and you speak to others about it, you convey to them, like, we're going to provide you information and education about the value of this and what this looks like and give you an example of having it versus not having it. And if things change, what that could mean to, to you and your family. Ultimately, it's going to be your decision to make because it's your money and it's your life. But if we properly educate you, where, like, when I leave, you can go and you can educate someone else, then I did my job. You did the you <laughs> did the right thing, and I'm a firm believer in education and awareness. Some people may look at me like, have you sell insurance? Why would you have somebody else to talk about insurance on your show? Because I love this. People need it, and I can't be all things to all people. So if I have a young brother next to me that's in this field, that's willing to get out there on the front line, and you see him, Please talk to him. Please buy from him. I'll make you laugh. We walk in the same circles. If I talk to somebody and they say, I'm thinking of doing something, but I'm talking to Divine, I said, then go with what Divine is recommending. This is no competition. 
I, I got to I just got to chime in here because what you said is you made a great point about you can't be in all places. No. And like we have to do a better job of creating these partnerships mm-hmm. and promoting each other. So we talked about changing the narrative. Yes. Let me tell you how I changed the narrative. Okay. I changed the narrative because someone else who provides a basketball service will not post my information about me having a basketball service. But if they post something that I believe in, I'm going to post it on my page. That's definitely the way to change the narrative <laughs> because, again, you can't be all things to all people. We have to network and we have to help each other and you know, life is Thanksgiving. There's plenty of turkey inside for everybody. This is not that kid that you're really excited about is not the last kid. Uh, I hear funny stories about people um, arguing over kids and kids claiming teams as if they were sets from a game. No, it's just a game. It's just a game. A basketball game is a means to an end. This game, this tournament, this summer is not the be all end all of all of all things. So, um, fellas, ladies, you know, if we're doing that, let's let's stop that. We're better than that. Yeah, I mean, I'm about the community. Mm-hmm. My morals and my principles matter. I can't be about the community and not be about the community. Absolutely. So I'm building the community from within by setting an example of how we're stronger together. We're, we're definitely stronger together. Um, one of the other teams you had. In your tournament this summer, traces back to your days at Copeg, uh, one of my favorite people in the basketball world, and that's Lee Michael. Oh, I love man. what uh, I love what Lee does. I love what he's doing with Team Purpose. Um, I like his vision and how he goes about things. Yes. So I coached Lee Michael. Uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, Don, I think his name is Dominic, young young guy from not young guy, but an older guy from uh, the West Babylon area. We connected. And he asked me if I wanted to coach um, an AAU team. Mm-hmm. I had Michael Allen was my best player. I had a couple other kids from Copeg, Wayne Coward, and of other to name a few. I had a few kids from Bayshore because mm-hmm. Kenny Palm is a dear friend of mine. Okay, um, and I had some kids from West Babylon, and then I had a few kids from Lindahurst. Uh, me and uh, Coach Albano, we go we go back a long Good ways because we used to always play in summer leagues okay. at, at Lindenhurst. Okay. So, and um, we traveled up and down the East Coast with, with those teams. And Lee Michael will tell you today, every time we speak, he brings up not the stuff we did on the basketball court, mm-hmm. but the lessons that he learned from me off the court. That's, Things that he still remembers to this day. Well, that's, that's, that, that's everything. So let's talk about this because this is something, if there's any young people, young players, young parents that, that watch this, um, I'm all about the lessons off the basketball court. How has being involved in basketball from player to coach to now uh, mentoring and running programs, how has that network helped you in the business world? Uh, It's a good question. Uh, I would say that the different relationships and the different experiences from those relationships have given me a great deal of growth in my own personal endeavors so you know I'm accountable to all that I do I could be 100% right in a situation I did still something I could have that I could have done differently right so I always look at it that way through that lens so after an interaction I sit back and when I uh when I when I you know think about about it I say to myself okay 
next time, let's do this. Or this was really good, let's continue to do that. So that's so just my all my experiences in life, I've learned to look from within, look in the mirror and say, how do I become better? I think that's the key right there. That's how and I'm that's, able to that's do it. definitely a lesson in sports and it's a lesson in business big time. Once that game is over, that game is over, but you definitely could do something a little bit different. Business is the exact same thing. Once this once this transaction is over, either you've given me a credit card and a check and I've sold something, or I haven't, but I still, maybe I could have eased back and been a little bit more informative as opposed to maybe a little bit aggressive, but there's always a there's always room to learn. So, Devon, the other thing we, we talked about yesterday is you started, um, while the rest of the world was quarantined, you started a few positive things, both on the profit side and the nonprofit. So I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about your nonprofit business first, about some things that you've done and some things you're working on that you're doing. Yeah, so as a young man, I remember when I was 14, 15, uh, and it was Christmas time, and they always select a family to give to. Absolutely. And so I'm sitting in the pew, and someone goes up to the microphone, and it's the Smith family. And, like, I'm actually angry. Okay. Because I don't want to be that guy. Even though okay. I was that guy who okay. needed that assistance. You needed it. Okay. I didn't want to be that guy. So there was, like, a little bit of, like, my pride kind of, you know, stepped in. And I and so, um, but I, when I look back on my life and my experiences, I realized that growing up in the city that we were on welfare. Okay. And those food stamps and that, medic, that Medicare card, like, it probably kept me alive. Of course. So I realized that everyone just isn't in position where they can do and have the things that they want. Do you know how much they charge to play for an AAU team just in the fall? They charge a lot. $900. It's a lot of money. $900. Now, you're trying to tell me that there's not kids who are good enough to play but can't afford the $900? What are we going to do for them? Absolutely. They they matter. It's uh, It has become... Um, you grow up in the Bronx, me growing up in Windage, basketball was a very inclusive sport. All I needed was to cut off my jeans so I could have shorts. Cut off, I'm talking basketball shorts. <laughs> and to get to the park, um, I wasn't half as good as you. I needed to wait three or four games to get my winners and I could play. Fast forward to the day, we've played so much organized basketball, and there's a course, it's become an exclusionary where the best kids cannot play. They can't play organized basketball. They can't enter tournament so somebody has to do those things so these kids can still play yep. and so I'm from that existence so like I understand it mm-hmm. because that was me right so when I see a kid like that I see myself and so it it, it invigorates me for more so last year uh we did we we partnership I didn't have my nonprofit organization yet we partnership with the nonprofit organization because that was the right thing to do of course it was the greater Black Nurses Association of New York. Okay. And uh, Dr. Selena Gillis. Shout out to Dr. Selena Gillis. And so we we provided, we fundraised for Thanksgiving for a food drive. A friend of mine who also played at, at CW Post at, when, at the time, that's what it was called. Her name is Valerie Figueroa. She also coached at, at uh, CW Post. She runs a, it's like a halfway house for displaced families in Brooklyn. Wow. That's big. So we we raised money. We raised $1,500. Because nice. of COVID, 
They wanted us to purchase non-perishable items. We picked up those non-perishable items. We delivered them to St. John Place in, in Brooklyn. And then for Christmas, we, we had a Make a Gift Come True campaign. And what we did was we had children write letters to Santa. And we had people from our network adopt those letters and purchase the gifts. We provided gifts for 80 kids for Christmas. I had grown women crying because they were so elated about the fact that they were able to provide these services to children in need from, from their schools or from their communities or from whatever it was. So then I said to my wife, I said, we have to have an official non-for-profit organization. Yes. Because last year was the best Christmas on record for me. My house was littered with gifts. Let's go. And my kids have a value and understanding for what it's like not to have. Yes. Even though they are privileged and yes. they have because that's what Vanessa and I have provided for them. Yes. They still need to understand that the realities of life, that everyone doesn't have those those opportunities. So Christmas was really, really uh, great for us last year. And so we started our nonprofit organization, and it's called Community and Edification. Community and Edification. We're going to drop that right there so people can see your page on IG, and it can support, follow and support what this man is doing. So we had our first official event at Boulder Mac Park. Okay. Ironically, down the street. Okay. From where I was raised okay. on Great Neck Road. And we provided... With our partnership with Code Charities, a good friend of mine, uh, Curtis Shearer, um, is a part of that organization. For the last five years, he's been giving sneakers back at the start of the school year to the kids in the community in Amityville. So we partnership with them. They did their thing with the sneakers. We provided book bags and school supplies. We also had vendors there. We had someone from um, Northwell Health talking about cancer. Nice. And, like, letting people know if you do not have coverage, these are things that are provided to you where you can, you can be taken care of if you, if you have cancer. We had New York Life there. I had Equitable there, the firm that I work for. We had uh, Payton's Planet. They talk about recycling and the importance of recycling. We had hamburgers, hot dogs, pizza. We had barbers and hairstylists. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. So... It was a tremendous event. We provided services for over 100 kids. That, Devon, and you got to feel good about it. And I see your chest coming up when you say it. You have to. No, you got to feel good about it because, again, you have become that adult that the younger version of yourself needed. And it feels good. People say that. People quote that all the time. It's better to give than to receive. But you said it by example. When your family was the family getting picked, it was nice to have something, but it didn't feel good being the recipient. But now you're the giver, and there's no greater feeling than that in the world. That's why I said at the beginning of this podcast, having this conversation with you um, is like talking to myself in terms of basketball, insurance, giving back to the community, and family. So let's let's come back to, to, to family because family is everything. Yes, that's a fact. Family is a uh, is everything. Um, you talked about uh, off-camera before we started the podcast, you talked about how happy you are that the girls are back in school and somebody else can be their teacher for six hours Correct. a day. What was, um, what was quarantine like being a dad and a teacher at home, and what do you think of the teachers and the job they do to educate kids? It was extremely challenging to be home 
trying to figure out my own personal business because we work in the same industry. Our industry actually stopped mm-hmm. for eight months mm-hmm. because people stopped receiving income. Right. So, like, I was more of a counselor to my current clients than I was writing any new business. So right. there were some challenges there Absolutely. from an income standpoint for my wife and I. Absolutely. And then the kids being home, you had to be careful with with them as well because my I noticed my daughter Desiree, she had got into this pattern of just being in her room playing her video game. Mm-hmm. And now I went in the room to talk to her one day and she made a comment to me and said she was an introvert. And I said, you're not. You've right. just been home. Right. So... So you, you're trying to balance how to make sure they continue to get the proper education for growth, but to also that they're mentally that they're still intact. So and and not to mention the fact that your own mental your, health, your own <laughs> mental health, everything, everything. So it's, it's 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 really rough because there's so many unknowns at the time. Mm-hmm. So like I literally didn't leave my house for eight months. Right. I just educated myself on what was going on before I went back out. Right. I wasn't as concerned about myself as I was. Not being a, not being a danger to others. For me, that's what it's all been about is, is not hurting others. That yep. That's everything is not to be the one that lived life as if it didn't happen. And then I infect somebody else. That's, that's, you know, the same thing is it's the reason why I stay safe until this day yep. is that I don't want to be the one that endangers others because of my carelessness. Um, Hit me. You got a point. I am happy for my wife, and my wife is the reason that my children excel in academics because she's very conscious of making sure that they are equipped with what they need. And then if she needs me, she'll say, Devon, I need you to help with this. I need you to take care of that. But I'm also elated that my wife actually was able to work from home for a year. My wife went full term with both of our children. You hear this? Full term with both of our children. She didn't take days off from work. Wow. Wow. She's a Nassau County probation officer. Wow. Wow. <laughs> she did not take, did not take days off. off from work. The day that her water broke uh, with Desiree, she was she was going to go to work. She was headed to work, and then she detoured and went to, to the hospital. Maybe it's time. <laughs> Shout out. Much So she got her. a full year off, not off from work, but to be able to work from home for a year and get rest yes. was, was dope. And, and, to be, uh, and to be present. To, and be, to be present, to be at, to be at home. I think as New Yorkers, that all of us rip and run so hard and fast to do first what we have to do to live indoors and eat a couple of times yep. a day. Um, secondly, to do this thing we call having a life. I think this was like ordained for all of us yes. to catch our breath, 100%. and we needed it. We yep. needed it. I've been at my house forever, but I wasn't living there. I was passing through. I was right. ripping and running, but now I live there. Now I'm a part of it. Um, it's a lot of stuff going on there that was just happening, you know, in my backstory that I wasn't a part of. So yep. Yep. definitely glad to fully be be fully immersed in my home now and not looking forward to um, the old world. A lot of people are like um, going back to normal. No, I'm not going to do that anymore. Right. I'm, I'm, Evolution. I'm good. I have, a different, I have a different rhythm to life and whatever the future holds. That's what it holds. Speaking of the future, we'll close on this. What's next? What's now for you and what's next for you? So because prior to starting my own business, I was already a businessman. I was just working for someone else's business. And I was learning everything I needed to step out on my own. So what's next for me is to continue to grow my nonprofit business because it's what I'm most passionate about. But understanding that my nonprofit business isn't going to pay 
my bills and get me to retirement in 12 years when Gabrielle graduates from high school. I'm already set to retire it's at age 58. I'm, I'm done. Out of New York. I've been here all my life. New York <laughs> is going to be in the rearview mirror once I retire. Um, diverse skill training, my program, is very important to me because I'm a mentor of young people. So although we'll be playing basketball, it's really not about the basketball lessons as much as me providing a service that enables and helps what parents are instilling in their children. If the parents don't have the same values, I don't want the kids because – the message is not going to – it's going to fall on deaf ears. Like, I'm going to speak to that kid and try to teach them a lesson. They're going to go home, and their parents going to tell them something totally different. Like, that I don't want to – You don't want to deal with. I got to say this. I was, I, was coming so. to, I was coming to a rap, but I was going to miss something. Um, Yvonne, you're in a unique position in this basketball business because um, I've coached with my three different kids – seven years or so for each of their lives, about 20 years in total. But I'm just a dad coach. I'm not a basketball guru. I'm the insurance guru. So when they got of age to play for better people, I let them go. All of these programs, all of the coaches, all the parents are looking for the opportunity to go to college, hopefully for free, or maybe partial scholarship, whatever they can get. But you've been in that coach's seat. You and I, I've sat next to you at games, not for my own kids, and say, what do you think of him? What What are you guys saying about this play or that play? And you've given me that feedback about what college coaches really see, not because it's my son or my friend's right, son. Right. So what does that vantage point do for you now, now that you're starting diverse skills training with a clear understanding of what a college is looking for in players, what a coach is looking for in a player? I'm just going to toot my own horn here and say that the young people who have the pleasure to – be in my program or to be guided by me, it's a special treat for them because I care about them and I care about their development. And I'm going to be honest and truthful with them because that's the real world. Right. The real world is going to eat you, chew you, spit you out. And you need to be prepared to get back up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You need to be prepared to get yeah. back up because that's the reality of it all. So we, So we are full speed ahead, my wife and I. It is... The nonprofit organization, Community and Edification, it's diverse skill training, it's the young people in our program, it's teaching them the fundamental skills of the game, it's the camps and clinics that we provide, it's me as a insurance agent, soon to be fully fledged financial professional, continuing to build, help to build my community and any community that wants my help because of my experience and because of the fact that I care from within. Well, you will, and what I like about diverse skills training, I'm going to speak to diversity a little bit. I've seen your program. You have all kids, every shade, color, religion, race, and the world of your program. And if someone trusts you with their children, they'll also trust you with your business because business is a minor transaction compared to you having my kids for a couple of hours. That's a fact. So you are going to reach a lot of people from every uh Every community in the world. I've been blessed and fortunate to do this for a long time. Um, I know talent in this business when I see it. You have it. You're gonna. You're gonna crush. You're gonna continue to crush it. You're not just starting. So, um, your for-profit company, your non-profit company, is all gonna run down to diverse skills training, community edification is your other one. We'll post it right there. Follow this man, my friend. My brother, happy 15th anniversary. Thank you. All the best to you and your girls being a hashtag 
Girl Dad, and all the best to you and your program. Anything at all that you want to share with the people before we call it a wrap? Mm. I think I pretty much uh, summed up, you know, in our conversation what I'm about. Um, I'm dedicated. I'm hardworking. I care. I'm a trailblazer. I'm changing the narrative. I'm gonna. What, I'll leave you with this. Your show. You are in season three. Mm-hmm. This is episode three. Mm-hmm. I lost my brother. He was three. Wow. Great Neck Road, where I lived. The address was thirty-three, thirty-three. Wow. wow. Three's my. Three's my lucky number. Three is your number. number. So okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Timing you. is everything. Thank you. Timing is everything. Um, I could stay on that number three for a while. Married in March. My birthday's in March. Two of my sons in March. And I, lo- I love March as well. But people, um, I hope every you liked everything you heard here today. If you like what you saw, please click on the subscribe button. Follow this button. Follow and support this man. He's a young man with a heart cut from the same cloth that mine is to not only take care of his family, but to serve the community. One time for Divine Smith.